grace. We want to receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And we always need you, Lord. We're not always aware of it, but we do. And and really, when you show up and help us uh, without us even realizing that it's you that's helping us, it's such a blessing, Father. Such a blessing to see evidence of your help and your attentiveness to the needs and things that we want in our lives. And we honor you. We love you and we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Uh, Today we're going to talk about the fact that God rules the kingdom of men. God rules the kingdom of men. And uh, I think there have been elections all over the world this past year. And uh, we're in an election cycle in this year. And many times people, I see all these comments on Facebook about, if you're a Christian, you better do this and you better do that and all this kind of stuff. But it's easy to find out what God's will is in these situations because if you look at the Bible, you'll see that God never changes. His word never changes. Um, his commandments are sure. Uh, his word endures forever after Every generation, the people who are running for office and the people that are voting them now, are for them now are going to be dead one day, but God will still be alive, you know. And His word will still be true because His word abides forever. And uh, I think when in dealing with with uh, you know secular things, and and this is something you have to keep in mind, is that. In, in your heart there's a line you don't cross there must be if you're going to hear from God and if you're going to obey God and uh, you'll see that in many many examples in the Bible I can give you one uh, uh, Daniel decided he would not when when it came to they changed his name they changed his clothes they put him in a place, you know, uh, secluded from his own people. He was in the king's palace. He had to accept all of it, but when it came to defiling himself with the food, he drew the line. And I think there has to be a line all Christians draw because you're not going to have somebody running for office who will stand there and tell you the Bible is going to be obeyed everywhere in government. Uh, You're going to find that there are many people voting who don't want the Bible obeyed and then you're going to find there's some people who do. And so as believers we have to draw a line that we will not cross and defile ourselves. And so that being said... Daniel and he found that not defiling himself with the king's meat put a because he could look at that and see where that would lead and it wasn't going to lead to a good spot you know you, you know you would think well you you answer to their name well you know that I can concede that because this man's in charge you know what I'm saying or uh, there's some things I won't do because I refuse to defile myself and and from the food leads to other things it leads to a lifestyle you start to get accustomed to it and he probably saw how people uh, longed to be around the king's table and, and all of that that it meant and the conversation that it had with certain people etc etc 
many of those uh, dinners would wind up being uh, all night parties where they would drink all night and all of that and he could see now if I if I keep my little Hebrew diet together and I keep myself sanctified that way it's not always about the food per se it's about what it leads to and that kind of thing and so you have to be wise enough in God to know when you're stepping across the line and you can't go any further and so if if we as believers know how to pray our way through situations and, and not step across certain lines uh, I think we'll we'll be the better for it and so we'll see though in these examples that God does rule in the kingdom of men it, it's just true the Bible says that and it is true uh, so in Daniel 4 I'll give you some biblical scriptural examples of that some scripture that I found that validates this point <clears throat> says uh, um, verse uh, Daniel four thirty two. This is actually I think this is the chapter of scripture that was yeah. This talks about Nebuchadnezzar and his his rise and fall as king of Babylon. <clears throat> He's had some encounters with God up until this time, and but this time God is going to judge him. And verse 32 it says, And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he will. So God, even though people, man has dominion on the earth, God is in ultimate control. And God understands when to intervene. He understands who to raise up and who to put down. He is in total control of all of these things. I know many times we will pray and pray for certain situations and it seems like God doesn't move. What's wrong God? Don't you see what they're doing down here? This is wrong, etc., etc. And we have to understand that God knows what he's doing. He does things after the counsel of his will, not at the just beckoning of his people down here. Because we scream for God to be just one day and scream for God to forgive us because we want to cut up the next, you see. And so God has to watch all of this and still make the right intervention for people. In Daniel chapter 2, you'll see another example. Daniel chapter 2 I think it's verse 21 and then again in verse 38 so do 21 first Daniel answered in verse 20 Daniel answered and said blessed be the name of the God forever and ever name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his so wisdom that means knowing who to to uh, lift up and who to put down and might the power to do it belong to him we're just servants down here we're just instruments and he changes the times and the seasons he removes kings and sets them up he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding so he gives wisdom to the wise wise people fear God so they'll always have wisdom you love God and you want his input and everything that you do you'll always get wisdom you won't be too crazy down here 
you know you you won't mess up too much you'll be able to avoid a lot of trouble and calamity uh, because if you're a wise person he will give you more wisdom verse 22 he reveals the deep and secret things he knows what's in the darkness and the light dwells in him so God's aware of everything God's aware of everything he knows what people are doing behind closed doors he knows what they do uh, in secret places he knows what they do when the doors are shut and he also dwells in light when he decides to reveal it and make it known to people he'll put a light on it and shine it at people you know people are are uh, talking about WikiLeaks and whether they should do what they do but you know what I'm glad to know truth I don't care where it comes from you know what I'm saying it's good that whenever light is revealed and things are exposed God's doing that he's the devil is the one that's hiding everything in darkness you'll see in scripture God uses whomever he will and we can't tell him who to use you just can't do it. So if and if man had the, the the run of things, it would be messed up again. And so God will do things after the counsel of His own will, because He has the master plan and He knows what He's about down here on earth. So uh, what did we do? Two twenty one, and now we'll do two thirty eight. Did I read that one yet? He says, and where and wherever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven, he has given into your hand, and he has made you ruler over them all. Made you ruler. He's talking to King Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, at this time Nebuchadnezzar really ruled what was known as the known world. Everything belonged to him. And he he oftentimes would give God credit for it. He was kind of these back and forth people, you know, just like we are. Even though he was a heathen, you see him get a revelation of God. Oh, bless the God of heaven. Everybody's got to worship this God. And then next thing you know, he's running his mouth off, taking credit for everything. And so God has to lift some up, put some down. He does it according to the counsel of his will, but also according to what our obedience is to his word. Romans 13 verse 1, it tells us to be subject to the higher powers. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. In other words, you can't go and tell the mayor of the city that you are not going to pay your taxes or something. You're not going to abide by the laws or something like that. You have to be subject to them. Why? For there's no power but of God. God gives them the, the authority to rule over us. And God backs them up. The powers that be are ordained of God. So whoever therefore resists the powers that be resists the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. You know I I was talking to somebody uh, uh, in this ministry many years ago. And they were somehow under the impression that when they ran a red light they should not be stopped because God was letting them you know God's mercy or whatever they were calling it and I told them I said God's going to be harder on you are you kidding me that's like preachers kids thinking that they can get away with everything and and run through the church and act crazy and everything because their dad's in charge that that doesn't give you license to break the law and God's helping you because you run enough of them red lights you'll have a Mack truck 
waiting for you at the intersection. Let's not be stupid now. And so God wants us to abide by laws. Why? Because he abides by them. God obeys his own law. He expects his kids to obey the law too. There are powers that be that we are expected to obey the law because the laws come from God. Now, does that mean that we have to obey it without wisdom? There are laws sometimes that that we need to stand against and withstand and resist because they run afoul of our conscience and our dedication to God's word. That does not mean, however, that you uh, resist in a forceful way. You know, there are ways, especially in this nation, to voice your disapproval of things. There's free speech peaceful protest all of that kind of stuff uh, you can go to court and, and contest a parking ticket or any kind of violation of the law you have the right to contest that in a court of law so there's due process for those situations if you found, find yourself in a situation where your conscience is violated I'll give you a good example when Amish people are, are drafted into the military in times of war People have been drafted in the military who have uh, strict rules about not killing. And Amish people tend to fall in that category. Their religion teaches that. They have um, a long history of obeying that rule. They have uh, firearms, but just for hunting. They don't aggressively uh, seek you know to violate that law and so because they have an established tradition of that set behavior they are giving given certain types of exemption in times of war they will give them a job that does not include combat and so if they are uh, you know conscripted into the military they're given those kinds of jobs many times people who are Uh, staunchly devout like that uh, are given jobs as chaplains they can be have jobs as medics all of those you know if they're properly trained etc etc so there is an outlet for what they call conscientious objections Uh, but not everybody falls in that category now if you just some guy that don't want to get up at five in the morning and do exercise and stuff like that you're not a conscientious objector you're a bum and you need to you need to go to the military just to get some discipline about yourself but you know what i'm saying there there are exemptions and examples all the time daniel didn't just refuse the king's food he has permission not to have to eat it and was given a trial period where he ate what he felt would be acceptable before God and that was and he was still as healthy as even more so than the rest of the young men so he was allowed to do that so when you when you feel you have to object to something for conscience sake you have to seek God on a peaceable way to do it you know and a way to do it that doesn't cause um you know a disruption of uh, anybody else's life and God will will show you ways to do it I know when we talked about the persecuted church there were many examples where they were interrogated and lied to the interrogators what are you going to do tell them to go down the street there's a church down there go kill the rest is bad enough you're in jail you know what I'm saying and and people who were in prison knew that they never let them go if they told on anybody so they just made up their minds 
they weren't going to um, to tell. And so there are exceptions uh, <coughs> to this rule. But in general, a stop sign is a good thing to obey. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when people, when a policeman pulls you over, it's a good thing to just do what they tell you to do and not try to protest and tell them what, you know, you didn't do anything, all of that kind of stuff. Just learn how to be obedient to the powers that be and God will look out for you. God watches over all of these things. If he weren't watching, you know, we'd be in trouble, but he watches over all of these things. So he said all the powers that be are ordained of God. That's Romans 13.1. And John 19.11. Excuse me. You see Jesus speaking to Pilate. And he tells Pilate straight up. <laughs> you don't have no power buddy. Huh? John 19 verse 11. Jesus said. <clears throat> you could have no power at all against me. Except it were given to you from above. Therefore, he that delivered me into your hands, he has the greater sin. So Jesus is saying, anything that you can do must be approved by God. See, I don't have to speak up. Paul was saying, well, you know, you're not going to answer me. Do you know who I am, Jesus? <laughs> you know, yeah, but you couldn't have anything at all if you're not the final authority, in other words. Amen. And I think we all need to recognize that about our Father God. He is the final authority. He is the final authority. Uh, These powers that be fall under God and it's good to, it's good we have an open pipeline to God we have a relationship with God where we don't have to um you know uh, be fearful about anybody that has authority over us uh, I had to learn that in my marriage I I would you know get all ruffled if my husband didn't do something I thought I'd you know I thought I had rights and all this kind of stuff and then I realized one day I just said you know what I should just chill out and let God do this you know <laughs> and they ain't gonna listen to you but so much anyway you know they got uh they're allergic to listening to their wives you know they just break out and scratch and start looking all funny and stuff so I realized that so I said well he ain't allergic to God God will talk to him and that was the wisest thing I ever did because I found that he listened to God and God spoke to him through his heart and he was able to hear what God wanted and and cooperated with God you know for the most part so anyway Psalm 75 verses 6 and 7 says for promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south but God is the judge he puts down one and sets up another Amen. so he puts down one and sets up another and you watch when people when people least suspect what God's up to he'll start to move never fails we think we're keeping tabs on God and got our little checklist of all our prayers we've been praying. When's this going to happen? When's that going to happen? When are you going to do this? When are you going to finish that? And God's already set a time and a season for everything that he's going to do. He knows the end at the beginning, you know. So he, nothing's a shock to him or surprise to him or anything like that. So many people then wonder why there's evil in the world if God puts people in and takes people out one of the reasons is that man has dominion on the earth and there are some evil people out here 
there's some evil Christians out here. You know, you can't go by what people say they are or what church they attend or anything like that. We're all capable of selfishness. We're capable of pride. And those are the things that lend to uh, evil coming, you know, brewing in a person's heart and uh, all of the things that, that evil brings with it. So God gave the whole earth to uh, man to run he gave him dominion but then there's the god of this world satan who can easily influence the thoughts and ideas of men especially when they are apart from god our only our only hope is to walk hand in hand with god that's the only place you're going to be safe that's the only place you're going to be um, uh, understand that things are happening uh, for a, for a reason and what the reason is, and that God will make a good outcome uh, come, and so uh, the powers that be are of God, and but we have to know that God has given us dominion. Now, the fact that we had dominion without God's Spirit dwelling in us <clears throat> left God with no recourse but to institute a curse on our works and the curse came to diminish our influence and our power man would destroy this this world real quick um, you saw at the tower of babel um, man was of one language and they started building they tried to get into heaven want to go up there and tear stuff up up there i guess earth wasn't enough for them they said let's go up there and, and tear it up right well the devil's always trying to get back up there see that's where he got kicked out from so he figured he'd get in in the minds of men and see if he could get back his first estate but god stopped him all god did was one day everybody woke up and couldn't understand each other man put a bunch of languages among people and that stalled the work communication is pretty much 100% of everything you get on one accord with somebody and nothing will be impossible to you you look at some of the uh, uh, people that have quickly taken over the world and, and if you look at evil dictators they move very very quickly they'll first start by planting ideas in people's heads and doing nice things for people to become acceptable uh, the Perones did that uh, in uh, where were they at? Colombia. It was it was the South American. Why can't I remember? Um, Juan Perón and his wife Eva Evita. They uh, yeah they ruled. I think it was Peru. I'm not real sure, but I'll look it up. I have to look it up and, and make sure I understand where where it was. But um, they during the 1930s they he was a dictator but he gave enough free food and small things to people his wife eva was very uh she was an ex-prostitute and she tried very hard to be accepted by the you know uh, aristocratic people of that nation and the women just shunned her all the time she never so she decided to develop her own following and so it was poor women that looked up to her 
and followed her around and, and she was able to uh, help her husband quite a bit to gain favor among the people and they never resisted his dictatorship almost he would they dictators always there's always a bigger fish to come and eat that fish so they always wind up getting assassinated or something like that or run out you know they'll get all their millions over into another country and run out and that country will give them asylum etc etc but that's how it's done they do it by uh, seducing the people and and telling them you know you got to give up this and I'll give you that and pretty soon uh, they have power that is unchecked and so people will say well why does God allow that well do you think anybody really prayed and said God these people are wicked when they're just convincing them that that they're good people you see what I'm saying and so that goes on all the time that's that's what politicians do that's what political people do they find ways to stay in power by catering to the people uh, you know but they don't give them a whole lot dictators will never give you a whole lot they keep you keep you looking for more you know paycheck to paycheck or something like that and just enough so you don't starve to death uh, you don't have to out and out big but not enough to not as much as you would get if you had your own ability to create wealth for yourself you see what I'm saying so that's that's how that works and that it's worked forever uh, among men and does God allow it yeah he has to because the people want it see the people want it we still have dominion and what the people want God will give us and so we don't have enough courage to stand against it and say God we want this to change and we want we want serious change we don't want some uh, chump change we <laughs> we want serious change and uh, in godly change and if it's change that God can honor that will honor God and that will bless people uh, include everybody that that has a need then God will grant it and and he'll grant it in that right season and so <clears throat> we look at the way God uh, would would rule uh, especially with secular people who were in rulership uh, and you got to understand that all the rulers are secular we don't have any uh, theocracies we don't have any uh, the closest I think we have uh, to that might be Israel but there's there really is not a theocracy there now the Muslim com- countries are ruled by by um, religious rulers uh, and in that kind of thing but for the most part God likes it when people come to him voluntarily you know he doesn't want to just force people to even when he when he established the nation of Israel they the people didn't want him ruling over them they started begging for a king and he gave it to them because the people demanded it so we have to understand that what people demand from God God is obliged to do until we see the light and say God this isn't what I thought it was going to be you know we you got to come down and make some changes now it's gotten gotten carried away i'll give you an example uh, uh kwame kilpatrick the uh, ex-mayor of detroit uh people thought he was the next great wonderful whatever uh he was uh admittedly spoiled by his parents his parents both were in politics he grew up around uh, people that knew how to wield political power so it was real easy for him to step in to that office and when he stepped in there he just 
tore things down so quickly it got to be so obvious now this is the thing i'm not saying he's the only mayor you know that's done something wrong you know people get real defensive about that but it depends on the time and the season that your evil occurs because if you're you're trying to get away with something and god's exposing say like in the season season of exposure uh you can't do anything wrong you better learn how to walk a tightrope but but evil people never do they think they're never going to get caught they think they're never going to get exposed they think they're never going to have to answer for anything and so when when we find this season of exposure when people start doing say he's doing not as bad as some of the previous mayors have done as far as taking money from the city and and, and taking making a slush fund out of city finances and so forth and so on uh, he's got a horrible bill to pay of restitution where he's stolen money I mean this was money that was in the city treasury I think it was a maybe a petty cash account or something like that he just used it to give parties bought cars gave gifts to people I mean he was just living it up and so that wasn't his money to do that with and then in the next administration they find the city's bankrupt well that's exposure if you ask me because there have been many that have done that if maybe not as much I don't know but they didn't they had enough sense to know they weren't being exposed they could hide it they could pay enough people to stay hush hush so forth and so on so but he didn't seem to be that type of person he got exposed but it was because God was shedding light on things amen because of the prayers of the righteous that's why he moved because righteous people pray righteous people quit being too busy to spend time with god could keep quit being too busy eating defiling themselves with the king's meat hmm? too busy and so once people start coming aside and they start praying and releasing god's word in the atmosphere god's word will start to manifest and bring everything out of darkness to the light so i would say that now what we're living in is a great season of exposure i can see that if y'all can i can so i follow these things because i i have to lead this prayer ministry and i have to watch these things you know i've been watching for exposure to come in our government for 30 years and so i'm thankful god's let me see it in my lifetime amen we're seeing what's happening with 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 our politicians behind closed doors we're seeing what they say about one another and they're seeing what what the ones that say hi to them and smile or stabbing them in the back behind their backs it's all laid out there in the open for everybody to see and this stuff isn't made up it's their actual nobody can deny that they actually sent that oh well i think somebody cut and paste no this ain't a cut and paste job right here because it's back and forth back and forth and it makes sense the way the conversation goes you see what i'm saying and so people have examined these things and and they're bona fide well why is god doing this because God's getting ready to move getting ready to move change some things he's already given us prophecies wait till the dust settles you know I I couldn't tell you myself how he's going to move and how it's going to be or what's going to happen I got to wait and see myself but I do know this is an unusual season 
it's a season of exposure and if you think about it it's happening in the political arena but it started in the church a bit ago where where God started to judge servants who weren't being faithful who weren't being uh, uh, truthful uh, who were trying to live a double life uh, he started exposing that some years back so the Bible says judgment begins in the house of God and so he, he can't judge the world if he can't judge his own kids first and so he wants his kids to have clean hands and understand what he expects you know just because he's uh, giving you uh, uh, 10,000 members in your church it doesn't mean that you can sin you know, it don't mean that you're so important now that you don't have to obey the same Ten Commandments that you used to obey to get you where God wants you to go. And so we, we know then that God rules in the kingdom of men. He puts people up. He puts them down. And this is not just in his kingdom, but it's in the secular realm as well. And so uh, God will give great power to men, but they have to be faithful with it. When they're found being unfaithful, uh, then God will will certainly move and he will certainly bring it into evil. Because he's not an evil God. He doesn't condone evil. He doesn't wink at it. He doesn't think it's cute. He doesn't just let it happen because he doesn't want to do anything about it. He He's watching everything. So... I found some examples in the word I thought we'd talk about because uh, it will show you God interacting with secular leaders, how he interacts with them. And, you know, look for parallels in the world we live in today. Let God start to show you, you know, this is what's going on. See this now. It's the same thing that goes on. And, you know, that's how I started prayer and started to learn how to pray I studied the word and I would see activities of spiritual forces and I said now this looks familiar I think I've seen this before and I find I've seen it in the word in the word and so I knew what to call different spirits because of how they've acted uh, in the word of God for instance the Pharaoh spirit is is you see it it's loose in the world everywhere it's especially loose in what we call Muslim nations hard labor uh uh very very um uh, oppressive lacking freedom don't want people to be free you know and and uh you know in order to to please this god you've got to give your life you got to go, go kill somebody for this god you know what i'm saying all of that stuff not wanting you to have time to worship any anybody but his god you got me if he lets you do that now we see people are working weekends it used to be weekend work was rare you know if if you worked weekends you worked in a department store or five and ten they closed at six o'clock you weren't there 24 7 trying to make a living and so work has gotten more difficult for people uh, most households two people work uh, and they work continually. It used to be uh, the woman only worked when the children got almost out of high school and then she worked part time. She was always there uh, to prepare dinner for the family. Now we call that, now the women's movement would call that old fashioned slave, enslavement. I'm not slaving for nobody. Well, don't you love your family? What do you do for them? You know what I'm saying? You're going to do anything for them? And, uh, but it, and I can tell you, it changed with the changing in the political atmosphere and during the 60s when the hippie movement started 
and the lax morality began. And when morality started to go downhill, the family started to get separated. People just go here and go there, and life got harder for us. You know, in 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 the 1900s. Uh, I would say the turn of the, the 20th century, the late 18th, 19th, life was very hard. Uh, families, the woman had to stay at home because there was so much work to do. Uh, it was hard cleaning, keeping a house clean. It was hard keeping kids. And, uh, you know, many of them had a lot of children. And, yeah, it was just a full time job. And then the industrial age, the age of machines, you know, you got dishwashers, laundry, you know, the washing machines and all that, it freed women up. I mean, the work wasn't as hard anymore. And you could, if you were a wise woman, you could get all your housework done in two hours and the kids off to school. And and so women got freed up. And the idleness, I think, created this creative vacuum for women and in comes the women's movement to tell women uh, you know we're going to get you really free now you know you don't have to listen to a man you don't need a man blah this blah that you know the whole story till now it's hard for people even to find people to marry if you want a marriage because the 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 tide of thinking is anti everything that looks like it's going to create a stable home environment and so we we are left with this now. Uh, and, and you, you know, if you're a Christian woman, you're looking for a Christian husband, you'll have to pray. I mean, I'm seriously pray. And, you know, put God in total control of it because you don't even see anybody that looks, you know, eligible or decent sometimes. You know, that's, that's just the way it is. And so there's no place to meet decent people anymore. The devil's put that confusion there. Uh, many people meet at bars. And it's a hookup. You know, where do people go now? We've got to have a website to find people for us, decent people. Got to let, instead of the traditional ways, you found them in school, college, home, church, family, you know, and it was, it was normal. Life was normal. Now it's, it's a, a landmine out there. I mean, if you are looking for somebody to marry, you're afraid of stepping in the wrong hole and getting blown up. You know, because it's just so, there's so much evil out there. And it's just, it's, it's really kind of unfortunate. But God, amen, God has a plan for people. He always has a plan for his people. And his plan will, will be manifest if we'll just believe him and hold on to what he has given us. So the first uh, example person I want to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you about the interaction between Pharaoh and Moses. Um, Moses was uh, one of the first deliverers. You know, you'll see off and on men of God in the Bible doing these kinds of things. Abraham was somewhat of a deliverer, but he was really the founder of the Hebrew nation. And so he is known more for his faith than he is for his delivering uh, ability. But you could see him uh, having great power when it came to uh, delivering his nephew Lot from the uh, hands of wickedness that where he was captured. But then when Israel becomes a nation, God has to organize then 
an army, uh, or a national secular army down here on earth to protect his people. So um, the first Pharaoh uh, that, that Israel came into contact with was, uh, uh, had an interaction with Joseph who was, uh, um, yeah, Jacob's son. Alright, one of Jacob's twelve sons. And so uh, Joseph was appointed ruler over Egypt because Joseph had answers from God. And if there's anything I can tell you that will preserve your life, preserve your sanity, preserve any is your relationship with God. If you would cross the line and defile yourself, it's shot. But I can tell you, if you hold on to principles in God, you know, and the things that God has put in your heart that are important to him. And I think as Christians, we have to really get it settled in our hearts. Now, what do I stand for here? I mean, I can call myself a Christian. I can call myself a watchman. You can call yourself all kinds of things. But you have to determine on the inside of you what do you stand for and where do you draw the line. That's just something you have to get between you and God. I'll give you an example. When I, when I first started preaching, I remember uh, there were many different... I, I started out fortunately in a ministry that was non-denominational so I had contact with all kinds of different denominations of Christian women and I noticed that some of the women were very modest in their dress didn't matter their age it was sometimes it depends on on where they came from then some of them were a little worldly uh you know and I told the Lord I said you know what if I'm going to make a mistake I'd rather make a mistake on the side of being too modest as opposed to being too worldly. That's just the way I looked at it. I said because modesty, number one, that's the Bible standard. And number two, I didn't want to run the risk of offending the women who held to a tighter modesty standard. So I thought... Uh, that's in the word uh, if I'm going to make an error or go too far I'll go too far on the side of modesty which meant a number of things that I don't do and you, you anybody's known me all these years you know I stick to it I don't wear pants in the pulpit because I think sometimes they are too revealing I think sometimes it's easier to be modest uh, if you uh, wear a skirt, and I mean a long skirt that covers the calves of your legs, so that people aren't watching you, they're understanding that you want to be as invisible as possible when you stand before people and and you you serve God. And so I felt that that would set a standard for me that I don't violate. Uh, when it comes to stepping into the pulpit and representing God and then that's just the way I've, I've taken it all this time uh, you know sometimes when you're young and thin you want to wear everything but then you get a little older you put on weight or something like that you're ah, glad to cover it up but I was glad to cover it up all the time you understand what I'm saying it just was a standard for me and um, I don't violate it because I don't want people to be turned off from God's message because of the messenger you got me the messenger and so and I think you know in your speech and your the way you relate to people is very important 
You don't have to be stiff and rigid and relating to people, but you don't want to draw attention to yourself, and uh, you don't need attention. You know what I'm saying? God gives you enough attention uh, already, and so I just think that that was something I decided to offer up to God. This is what I'm going to do, and and I've appreciated that God has held me to it, and it and it hasn't. People don't go and say, "Did you see what she was wearing? The way she get that?" You know, they, they just we just never have that report you know we don't need it and so there are enough things the message is going to make a mo- um, enough people ticked off as it is without you adding to it you know with some kind of abrasiveness or you know trying to look too young and go and find and clothes go in the junior department go start buying your clothes when you're 60 years old you know what i'm saying it's I mean it's done folks you know so you and get those things settled you know so so those are simple things that once you lay that down and you settle that another thing was that I told God I'd never work another secular job you know and to be honest with you I'd forget sometimes I say oh yeah I should do uh, you know I got time to do this and it always flops <laughs> And nothing ever worked. Why? Because these vows are important to God. He said, you must have had something in your mind when you made the vow. And we forget these things. So you walk away from the understanding of it. So I think you have to have a line that you don't cross. Once you cross that line, then anything goes. And so you have to make up between you and God. You decide. God, I'm not going to cross this line. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go here. I'm going to always be your representative in X. And so, and, and this is what you see. All of the leaders that God chose had this in them. There was a built-in, I'm not going to violate this. Joseph had it. He refused to violate his privilege of being in charge of Potiphar's house by sleeping with his wife. And she probably slept with a lot of men when her husband was gone. It was probably common to do that. Slaves were not allowed the the privilege of refusal of their masters anything but he made up his mind he wasn't going to violate that and he had to pay for it so there will be some things that we will suffer for folks you know christianity is no joke uh it's serious stuff and if we want the power of god and the real power of god we got to know there's a price to pay for it and you got to fight to hold on to it so pharaoh had appointed joseph ruler of egypt because joseph had answers from god now joseph was sent to egypt by god he said that himself you got me he went after joseph had been there and he finally got out of prison he started to understand clarity started to come to him see many things that we experience we have to walk through by faith and sometimes faith is not full understanding but you can get full understanding at some point if you got understanding it wouldn't be faith you got me there's a point where we start trying to know too much and then we haven't feel we have enough knowledge enough power to resist god he gives you enough understanding for you to get peace and then to walk into it by faith you got me faith is is not not all the answers ahead of time 
And so Joseph was sent there by God at, at the end of his uh, trial there and after he was ministering in his ministry and he was confronted by his brothers and confronted them he was a peaceful man and he told them he said it was not you who did this but God he said you meant it for evil but God did it for good and he, he forgave them he told them that after all these years I've been hating you and you've been fearing ever running into me he says I know God put me here and see this is what this is what maturity will get you to summarize that God did it so he was sent there by God through the evil actions of his brother how else was God going to get him to Egypt and you think about it he's a Hebrew Egypt is a a vile culture it's not a God loving culture it's a foreign culture culture he wouldn't have been free to worship his God and and that was that was discovered in some of his interactions when he once he was in the palace and he was second to pharaoh uh, he had to eat separate from his egyptian servants because his food was an abomination to them you see so they didn't mingle and mix so how god gonna get him down there and they he didn't have anything in common with these people He's not going to uh, take a cruise and go down to Egypt one day and just never come back. Uh, God couldn't approach him and say, I'm sending you as a missionary to Egypt. No, God had to, to find a way to get him there, but he had to get him there. Once he got him there, he had to keep him there. So the getting and the keeping, see God says this, I created the waster to destroy I created the waster to destroy. I created him with that purpose. To destroy things. See? And so what God is saying is this. Man has dominion. Even when he does evil, I can turn it into good. So we see Romans 8.28 throughout the whole Bible. Where people will do things for evil purposes and if that person involved belongs to God and they'll stay true to God and pray God will turn it into good. Amen. And they'll be have peace. Shalom. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Everything intact. Everything restored to him. A new life. A better life. So Joseph was sent there by God through the evil actions of his brothers. God is not the author of evil. It exists because of the prince of this world. People choose their deeds either good or evil. They choose their deeds either good or evil. So it's people choice sometimes that will get the ball rolling. But God can intervene at any time if he is invited in. You've got to understand that. So <clears throat> for 400 years the Hebrews lived in peace alongside of the Egyptians. But little by little the devil turned the Egyptians against Israel. So you can see where... The subtleties of the enemy 
have to be perceived by someone in order for a remedy and a cure to come along. And all the while that Egypt, um, that Israel lived in Egypt, there were probably people. Now God had prophesied uh, through Abraham that, that 400 years that your your descendants would be be in a foreign land for 400 years, and part of it they would be held captive. So in this time, uh, the Egyptians had made slaves of the Hebrews. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh, it's bad enough they're slaves, but Pharaoh ups the ante. See, this is one thing you can depend on the devil to do. If it's bad, it can always get worse. Huh? If it's bad, it can always. Don't ever tolerate evil or tolerate conditions that are not favorable and don't line don't tolerate things that don't line up with God's word always make a stand against them always make a prayer against them always make your words against things that are evil take that stand so for 400 years the Hebrews lived in almost in relative peace and then little by little the devil turned the Egyptians against Israel Actually, on this earth, we are involved in what uh, Brother Sumrall referred to as the Battle of the Ages. So it's never been a fight against, say, the uh, the Russians against the Americans or the Germans, the Allies against the Axis. It's always been good against evil. And God is the Lord of War. He is the author of war. These wars are are uh, part of God's plan. Uh, from the foundation of the earth there is a plan to overcome evil with good and that's what God is about doing at all times so if you're on God's side and you're on the side of good you'll be the winner let me put it to you this way but if you're the kind of person that compromises and knows that there's evil going on and you don't take a stand against it you're going to have to go down with the evil folk so man has dominion but God is Lord over all when man submits to God, he is blessed, and good men will have power. Good men will rise to power. Man. So when we submit to God, we receive the blessing of God, and God can place good men in power. When man turns away from God, he gives power to those man honors, good or evil, but they do have power. So it's how we decide we want to be governed. If we decide we want evil people over us, he will give us that that freedom. You got me? If he if we decide we want an end to certain things that are not right and that, that they're not God's way, then we, he will definitely put an end to them. Dictators gain power when good people accept the scraps and the handouts and are not vigilant, like I said about the Perone. They were not vigilant. Uh, you get to the point of of desperation, and and so you you start to just grab anything that looks like it's a morsel. And so, and God never ordained for men to live like that. He he ordained for men man to live by the sweat of his brow, but in God's mercy as well. You know, if you serve God, you'll get His mercy, and He will promote people who follow his will that's what God really wants to do 
And his hands are tied sometimes depending upon what man says he wants. Dictators gain power, we said, when good people accept scraps and handouts and are not vigilant over moral issues and the word of God. When our preachers quit preaching the word of God because they are afraid it will offend people, we're on a slippery slope. See, they've already uh, uh, obscured the line. They're like erasing the line. Just because people have large numbers following them does not mean that there's power there. You can have a large number of undecided people just, you know, hanging around just because they're allowed to hang around. You understand what I'm saying? So this is the great deception that the world lives in now. They think sometimes uh, uh, large numbers and they think sometimes great amounts of money reflect actual power. But it does not always mean that. I'm not saying it never means it, but it does not always mean that. Just like large large numbers of people uh, in, a, in an assembly or a congregation does not mean that God is blessing that or that God is the author of it. You know, people have a right to congregate however they want to. They don't have to all be drawn there by God. Uh, the way the world works now, people can be drawn by word of mouth, social media, all kinds of ways. Back in the uh, 70s and 80s, it was advertising that got churches to grow. If they could get on television, what they would do, get started, and start paying that TV bill regularly. And once they got on television, they could pretty much grow very, very rapidly. So we've seen that that's not always the hand of God causing that kind of growth. What God wants to do is grow people's spirits. He wants people to mature spiritually. So to give you an example, if we're not vigilant over moral issues and the word, we will lose power and accept anything that is handed out uh, like we see now in this country. Uh, it's tough, tough living. Um, home ownership has dropped. Uh, in the last eight years, it's gone back to what it was 20 years ago. Uh, the wages have gone back to what they were 20 years ago. Many of the people have dropped out of the workforce, so our unemployment figures are not accurate uh, because they only tap the people who are looking for work. They don't include the people who have quit looking for work. Another example is abortion. Abortion is a great moral error. People knew it when when the Supreme Court uh, made it law. Uh, Don't ever think that the Supreme Court is right all the time. You know, just don't ever make that mistake. Um, Abortion is murder. It's taking a life that would be viable if that life were left alone. So we have a clear example in the Bible uh, regarding how God feels about abortion. That is the Hebrew midwives. And that's back to our example with um, uh, uh, Moses leading the children of Israel out of bondage. The Hebrew midwives refused to kill God's inheritance. The Bible says children, all children, are the inheritance of the Lord. So when abortion occurs, we have killed God's inheritance. I don't care how you want to look at it. You look at it any way you want to, but that's what happens. 
This is a standard no matter what age we live in and no matter what the Supreme Court says. God's standard is God's standard. The Supreme Court in the Dred Scott case in 1857, Dred Scott was a slave whose master had taken him his master lived in the north he had lived in Illinois and he'd also lived in Minnesota and there was no legal slavery in these two states so Dred Scott petitioned for his freedom he says I'm in a free there's there was only there were certain uh um states that were pledged as segregated states and they they had states rights were very important then so states made their their laws according to what the people that lived in that state agreed how they wanted to live that's why you have states if you like gambling go to nevada you know what i'm saying you can get 24 7 whatever and so uh in that in that context his case went all the way to the Supreme Court. He, they found the lawyer and, and uh, sued his, his uh, slaveholder owner. And so uh, the Supreme Court handed down a decision in, the, in his case. And it decided that Dred Scott was not a person, that he was property. Now tell me how different that is from Roe versus Wade. Where the baby is not a person. I mean there are people that will stand up and tell you. They don't consider uh, an unborn baby a person. And and up until nine months of pregnancy. They're allowed what they call partial birth abortion. Which is that baby is delivered. And before it comes out alive. They stick a, a, a vacuum aspirator into its brain kill the brain and hold that baby's head into the womb until it dies that idiot in Pennsylvania Philadelphia that they put in prison was doing partial births and the women that worked for him were so traumatized they said some of those babies would lie there and kick and convulse until they died and they had to watch that so we need to know what we're talking about here folks when you talk about these things because nobody wants to look at that nobody wants to face the hard truth but our government allows it see our government allows it and this business about the health of the mother that was a joke even back when they got illegal abortions because seldom is the mother's health at at risk and the only reason it's at risk is is um when they in in the preeclampsia that was one of the situations and sometimes you'll find a woman whose pelvis is too small to deliver the baby but they got remedies for that you have c-sections for that stuff you have they watch them when they know they have what uh, women have a condition called toxemia where they are are prone to have seizures and deliver that baby prematurely and so they they and they'll deliver live babies folks they're these aren't women who are trying to get rid of their babies they're ones that want to fight to hold on to them but um these are rare you know i read a statistic and i i was uh, there's a woman that i kind of follow her ministry i started following her ministry uh, a number of years back um what's her name star parker is her name she's out in in la 
and she um, she's the lady that her testimony she was a member where she went to Fred Price's church she's, she was a welfare cheat and she says that she was born into a military family she was a kid in the family that was always trying to be slick all the brothers and sisters she's about eight or nine brothers and sisters they all have good jobs they all completed college I mean success 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 star decided she was gonna cheat the system she wound up moving to California and she said she was able to live off welfare a welfare check and get paid under the table doing certain jobs she'd live in a house with about four different roommates and they're all it, it just was a mess and she talked about how the welfare system in California encouraged that type of behavior she had had several abortions her last abortion she said she would never do it again she got pregnant again of course because that's how she gets more money from the state and uh, she said she was working at a store part-time and not reporting her income and these two young men befriended her and they were members of Fred Price's church while she was pregnant she they would invite her to church all the time she never went she thought they were joke uh, oh yeah you, you holy rollers blah this blah that but when she delivered her baby none of her so-called roommates help helpers would come and help her and do anything and she was in the hospital she had had a difficult delivery but the baby was fine she was in it she was slow to recover these young men came and visited her every single day they uh took her home they made sure she got got home and got everything moved in got the baby thing set up and all of that and she said her heart melted because she saw people who really really reached out to people like her she felt that she was kind of like the lowest of the lowest she started going to church with them and she they he there was Fred Price's church and she said that she was in church one day and she said she said Dr. Price looked directly at me and said why are you on welfare said God has given you so much more why are you on welfare and she said that it stunned her how that spoke to her she said she immediately went home called the welfare department told them to stop sending checks to her she was getting off welfare from that God gave her a job she started one of the Christian uh, publications in LA you know how we have that book events for Christians where it shows all the churches all their directories all the events conferences and so forth she started one out in LA and her first client was Bishop Charles Blake Church of God in Christ with Denzel go to church out there all them people and um, and so she knew God was with her and from that day forward she hasn't turned back she has a ministry now where she goes around and she informs people especially in African American communities about the evils of welfare about uh, it being a a uh, slavery system of slavery uh, for black people uh, be determined not to live like that etc etc find a job no matter what it is God will help you all of that kind of stuff and, and she's she's quite um, successful and persuasive in, in her message and so uh, I thought it was, was very very timely I read a statistic 
that in Washington, D.C., in the year 2015 and 2014, more African-American babies were aborted than born alive. So this is genocide by choice. So all you got to do is tell people it's okay. All you got to do is enact a law and hope people's consciences aren't pricked and hope the Christians say well because it's the law we got to obey who are we to fight the Supreme Court Uh, you know Dred Scott was in 1857 they wound up fighting a civil war over issues just like that you see what that's how important these things are to God if you'll stand up for what you know is right by God's word so these things are sanctioned and promoted by our government but there are still people with a voice in this country that speak against it preach against it they set up ministries where they assist women to carry their babies to term i had a very good friend that had a ministry in cleveland uh they would show a film uh when women would come in we give a pregnancy test and then after the pregnancy test she'd show them a film she's the woman who led that muslim girl and her boyfriend to the lord and saved their baby men now you know these black muslim men claim that they you know for children and all that but they make you get an abortion you know just like anybody else will you see what i'm saying and so we have to understand that this is not freedom i don't care how you package it it's it's murder and it's not right it's still an abomination to god does god allow it only as far as we do when you see Christians being pro-abortion or turning their backs, when when you know you vote for somebody who speaks up for abortion, you already that's your prayer of agreement. You got me. Don't ever give your choice away to the devil. You fight it as long as you can. You got me. You fight it as long as you can. So we are making the choice, but God must allow it be because we have dominion here on earth. When we start getting supreme court people who will follow the bible and god's standard because this nation was founded as one nation under god it was founded for religious freedom not any kind of dictatorship you see and so we we have to make sure that we are holding to our principles uh there are many people the spokespeople for the constitution and the sanctity of it and by holding on to constitutional principles but it's easy for for uh we have now supreme court justices who say the constitution is a breathing document that means it changes it's not static it's breathing and that's what they claim and that's what they think gives them the right to change it so that it's not there's nobody to protect innocent life like to let that to get that little baby almost born and then torture it what what crime did that baby commit to deserve that you see what i'm saying what crime did they commit but they have to depend on um the mother getting them here you know they're babies that they deliver at you know seven months six and a half months and put them on life support it's much smaller than some they abort you see what i'm saying it it can't be you can't have that much power 
over another life. It's just not good. It's not God. You got to, you know, the choice is made at the time of conception. You just have to follow through with it. I think sometimes, you know, when people have babies out of wedlock, they love them just as much as they do when they're born in wedlock. That's the promise of God. It's like a a seed of, of God's forgiveness to you to give you love in your heart for that child no matter what circumstances they're born in. Somebody will love that baby. You see? I mean, it's just it's that way. So that's God speaking forgiveness. Even though they're conceived in sin, God will will mercifully allow love and compassion for that baby to come in the heart of someone if that baby's allowed to live. And don't use the excuse, oh, we had too many of them born. We need to teach morality. If that's true, then we need to teach it on the preconception level you know teach morality and and don't leave that as an option God always has a way there are never too many children born for God if he sees fit to get them here he knows how to take care of them we just got to look to God for our answers and see problems arise when we cease looking to God for answers well Anybody can pray. I don't care you're elected official. I don't care if you you can't bring your religion into the world. I don't care what you think. But you can pray. And somebody can pray for you. And you can listen to God and obey him. You will see it with some of the other examples we have. Of some of the secular leaders that heard from God. Spoke to God. uh, Spoke the words of God from time to time. So it's not impossible. To get in contact with God if, if you're a person, if you're in power somewhere. God is speaking to us all of the time. man. He's speaking to us all of the time. Uh, I remember watching this kind of little silly secular movie. But it, the principle, it was a, a good uh, movie that, that speaks to a, a real life problem. And it gave a a good solution, but it wasn't, you know, like God in it all over it. But you could see God's solution coming. That little movie Juno that uh, was out maybe about, it's probably about eight or so years old now. uh, About a girl, teenage girl, that she's got a little boyfriend. They're not much more than 16 or something like that. And uh, she gets pregnant. And... She decides she wants to have an abortion and she goes to the abortion clinic and a girl from her high school is out there protesting outside of the clinic and she recognizes her, little Asian girl. And she talks to her and, and, and she, you know, she's just talking to anybody going into the facility and she looks at her and, and the girl going in for the abortion is stunned that she sees somebody she knows. She knows her from school but she doesn't know that she works, uh, you know, trying to convince women to keep babies instead of killing them. And, uh, the girl says to her, she said, did you know your baby has footprints? And somehow that stuck with her and she thought about that all night. She ran home. She didn't go into the clinic and she thought about it all night. And then she realized she had to keep that baby. She had to tell her parents. But something that small that can be said to somebody, that's God. And it turns them around. 
and and it works out that she she had the baby she found a couple that wanted to adopt her baby and she spoke with them and they arranged for you know uh, the baby time to be delivered and so forth she got to know him and all that kind of stuff it's a really really smart story and it's not preachy and it's not real deep but it's just a day-to-day how these decisions are made and how intervention can turn people around to make a decision for good this couple couldn't have children the wife was very depressed about it the husband wound up leaving the wife because he didn't want responsibility he's one of them kind of guys you know he didn't want to want to grow up so to speak and uh, when they found that out it was right before the baby was born and the girl said uh, she said oh she said I still want you to have this she said that doesn't matter to me she said I know you're supposed to be this baby's mother she said I'm not she said I just don't feel like this is my baby and so here you see a godly solution with worldly people it happens all the time God can intervene in the affairs of people even secular people that's why we pray folks don't be shocked at who God uses for whatever the need is in the world because God will certainly move and he will certainly help but as his people we got to hold the line folks we we give too much rope to the devil we cave in too easily we kind of like the world sometimes we kind of like the things that the world does and and you know how they promote and i'm not talking about us personally here but i'm talking about christians in general it's easy for us to get sucked in you know to the world system uh but if you'll hold the line god will hold the line from you and for you and he will reverse some of these things that we as christians have a hard time stomaching in fact i can't stomach what I hear being done even more it's just it's it's awful what this nation has become but God amen but God father we thank you for your word and for giving us understanding of the things that are so dear to you and so important to you and father we thank you in the name of Jesus that you know exactly what you're doing in the earth and we trust you we thank you for making us a part of your great plan everybody that knows you can play their part so we thank you for our part in your great plan in jesus name amen and praise